Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. It's me, it's me. Uh, give it up for Amy. That was a great, great word around offering, dude. Thank you so much. I love that. I love that so much. Um, happy Sunday, y'all. We grateful to be in the house of the Lord? Yeah? We've got Omer here just blessing us with his presence. If you don't know Omer, that's Omer right over there. The guy who looks like Gandalf. Um, he's a blessing. We love him. We love him. We love him. Um, yeah, happy Sunday, guys. Oh, my gosh. It's just it's good to be here every single time I say it. I say it every time I get up here, and I'm grateful to be up here. It's an honor to do this thing. It's not my favorite thing in the world. If you didn't know that already, I've probably told everyone. Um, but I am just overwhelmed with gratitude and also the responsibility that it takes to, to get on the stage and to bring a word from the Lord to all of you because he's saying something directly to you. He has something for every single person in this room this morning. And uh, I'm hoping we can dive in here and it's just going to be... It's going to be real good. Sound good? All right. Um, so as I was saying, just the responsibility that goes into um, preparing a word for the church, you're taking a lot of temperature checks, or I should say Holy Spirit checks. You're doing a Holy Spirit check on yourself, on the community, on the world at large, and the interaction between heaven and earth. You're checking all of those things. You're checking your heart, and you're also trying to make sure that you're moving within the rhythm of God. We've heard this before, right? The rhythm of God. That God and the Holy Spirit have this rhythm where they move, and that if you're very sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you can move exactly in alignment with what he's doing. I don't always do that. Does anybody here do it all the time, get it right? No? Does anybody here try to get it right? Everybody's hands should be up. Come on, y'all. Yes. So uh, what we pray for is more sensitivity to the Holy Spirit so that we're moving within that rhythm. We're saying what needs to be said. We're doing what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do. Do you hear me, people? All right. Okay. So this morning, as um, we are, we've just been seeking the Lord and getting ready to receive, the words that the Lord gave me this week for us have been, were wisdom and hope. Okay. So if you don't have your notebook, get your notebook out. There's free notebooks right over there. They're brand new, nice and crispy. Um, or you can take your digital notes, whatever you want to do. But this morning we're going to be talking about wisdom and hope. And as I kind of thought about those two things, we all need wisdom, right? Like what are some areas that we need wisdom for? Anybody? Hamza. Finances, okay. What was that? Relationships? Anybody else? Nobody else? Decision-making process. Yes! Come on. We all need that. We need, we need it about the job. We need it about the career path. We need it about moral, ethical, social issues that are going on in the world today. We need the wisdom of God. And the church said, amen. All right. Y'all need to wake up this morning, seriously. Come on. Come on, people. You, me, we need to do this thing together, okay? Wakey, wakey, shake and bakey. So pretty much we all need a lot of wisdom all the time about all the things, yes? And there's probably a good person who has that wisdom. Maybe 
the creator of the universe. Yes? Yes? Okay. So as I thought that we need to start with wisdom and we need to make our way to hope, I was talking with Matt this week and I was like, how am I going to bridge those two things? Because wisdom and hope, I don't know about you, but in my mind, it doesn't naturally bridge from wisdom to hope. And Matt and I were having all these conversations and I was getting really frustrated because I don't really receive the way that he breaks things down all the time. It's just I have ADHD and my brain just doesn't always make sense, doesn't follow the same pathways his brain does. So he was right. I just wasn't following it the way that he was like saying it. You know what I mean? So I really had to dive in. I had to do the wrestling. I had to do the hard work to bridge the gap between wisdom and hope. And that's the journey I'm going to take you on this morning. Does that sound interesting to anybody? Yes? Okay. So my message this morning is called A Song in the Dark. And I'm going to pray really quick, and then we're going to get into it. Jesus, thank you so much, Father God, for your presence in this place this morning. Lord, there are lots of churches all over the world that are meeting on Sundays and throughout the week. And God, we're just so grateful to be here. Lord, with a, with a, a church that started on 80 bucks and a dream, Father God, I know that there are real, true living stones in this place. You're building this church one living stone at a time, Father God. And I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I just pray that you would bless this message. Jesus, that we would receive what you have for us, that you'd move powerfully in our lives in a transformative way. And all of God's people said, amen. Okay, so do me a favor. Open up your Bible or flip to your Bible, whatever you got. Okay. And if you don't have Bibles, we have Bibles. So get your Bible open. We're going to open it up to Job. Yeah, right? Everybody's shocked by that because uh, <laughs> I love the book of Job. Um, we're going to turn to chapter 28. So open your Bible, turn to chapter 28, and I'm going to read the whole thing to you. <laughs> so settle in, okay? Oh, version doesn't matter, buddy. Whatever. I use NLT, but nobody else does, so <laughs> it's kind of whatever at this point. It's the Word of God. All right, chapter 28. People know where to mine silver and how to refine gold. They know where to dig from the earth and how to smelt copper from the rock. They know how to shine light in the darkness and explore the farthest regions of the earth. As they search in the dark for ore, they sink a mine shaft into the earth, far from where anyone lives. They descend on ropes, swinging back and forth. Food is grown on the earth above, but below the earth is melted as fire. Here the rocks contain precious lapis lazuli, and the dust contains gold. There are treasures no bird of prey can see, no falcon's eye observe. No wild animal has walked upon these treasures. No lion has seen, has ever set its paw there. People know how to tear apart flinty rocks, how to overturn the roots of the mountain. They cut tunnels in the rocks and uncover precious stones. They dam up trickling streams and bring to light the hidden treasures. But do people know where to find wisdom? Oh, snap. Where can they find understanding? No one knows where to find it, for it is not found among the living. It is not here, says the ocean, nor is it here, says the sea. It cannot be bought with gold. It cannot be purchased with silver. It's worth more than all the gold of Ophir, greater than precious onyx or lapis lazuli. Wisdom is more valuable than gold and crystal. It cannot be purchased with jewels mounted in fine gold. Coral and jasper are worthless in trying to... In trying to get it, the price of wisdom is far above rubies. 
precious peridot from Ethiopia cannot be exchanged for it. It's worth more than purest gold. But do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all humanity. Even the sharp-eyed birds of the sky cannot discover it. Destruction and death say, we have heard rumors of where wisdom can be found. God alone understands the way of wisdom. He knows where it can be found, for he looks throughout the whole earth and sees everything under the heavens. He decided how hard the wind should blow, how much rain should fall. He made the laws for the rain and laid out the path for the lightning. He saw wisdom and evaluated it. He set it in place and examined it thoroughly. And this is what he says to all of humanity. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. Amen. That solid. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your wisdom. God, as we seek to bridge the gap between wisdom and hope, Father, as we even try to discern what wisdom is and how badly we need it, I pray that you would move amid your people, God. I pray that you would just posture our hearts completely towards you, Jesus. This is all about you, Father God. And we all said, amen. Okay, so first, it'd probably be a good idea if we thought or we discovered or we discerned what is wisdom. And we hear that word and it's a nice word and we feel like it's something that we probably live with or we're familiar with, but where does it come from? How do we get some? How do we know what it is? The Webster Dictionary says that wisdom, and this is the actual definition from Webster, is the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships, insight, good judgment or good sense, accumulated philosophical or scientific learning, knowledge, a wise attitude, belief, or course of action, and the last one says the teachings of an ancient wise man. So that's good, because the book of Job, he falls into the category. Ancient, wise, dude. So, if you look at wisdom as a good understanding that helps us make smart, safe decisions and is based on the thoughts of someone else who has done the learning for us and can then pass it on without us having to experience the failure it often takes to reveal wisdom, then I think we have our definition. Yes? So the short version of that is wisdom is insight about life, about living, that comes from a source that knows more about those things than we do. You hear me? Okay. So who might have that wisdom? I mentioned him before. Potentially the guy who strung the universe together. I think the guy who knows the most about all of the things is God. His son Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And like we said before, there are so many areas that we need wisdom in. I particularly, when I think of the generation of the, the millennials, I don't know that we're hungry for wisdom. I think we're hungry for a lot of things. But I don't know if wisdom is at the top of the list. You feel me? We go on social media, I don't see a whole lot of wisdom there. I see people who kind of parade around like they have wisdom. But it's not wisdom that's like going to give you life, right? It's not wisdom that's not eventually going to contradict itself or fall flat. Yeah? We need wisdom that's going to last eternity. It's going to be around longer than we are. It's the kind of stuff that we pass down to our kids. It lives forever because it started with the main man. 
And by man, I mean God. In the beginning, it says that Lady Wisdom was with God when he created the earth. So wisdom has been around even before the design of what we have now, of our universe, of every single person in this place. Wisdom has been around a very, very long time, and we need it for everything. Like Nikki said on Wednesday, if you weren't able to join us on Wednesday, you're not going to want to miss another first Wednesday night. The Ignite Nights are awesome. There is something very special that takes place in this building. There is a movement of God. There is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is just different from a Sunday. I don't know why. I don't even know if that's biblical. It's just what happens. Yeah, you got to be here. You got to experience. It is, it is crazy. But Nikki said on, on Wednesday that when we get saved, we're like spiritual babies, and we need spiritual milk. But we don't stay babies forever. We move on. We move on from the milk. We need the meat, right? Or the vegan veggie burger from a girl over here. We need something more than just milk. And that's true. It's about, it's about growing spiritually. It's about growing physically. And much like a child whose mom is cooking in the kitchen on the stovetop and she says, don't touch the top of the stove. You're going to burn your hand off. That's wisdom. That's a mom saying, don't touch that. It's flaming hot. You're going to burn your fisty. So wisdom is what we need to go through life so that we don't get burned up, scarred up, or dead. Right? Yes. <laughs> the Bible talks a lot about the opposite of wisdom being death. The opposite of wisdom is death. And maybe it's not you die you don't move forward anymore. You don't go past go, collect 200. It's not that kind of death all of the time, though it can be. The Donner Party, hello. Um, wisdom can also be, it can be spiritual death if we don't have the wisdom that we need. The opposite of wisdom is death. It can be physical death. It can be spiritual death. We need wisdom to do what God has called us to do in this earth. Yes? And I say that about physical, yes, physical death can occur, spiritual death also, because we know that we are spirits who are put on this little meat suit, and we go through life, and then we're spirits again. <laughs> Jasmine is very grossed out by the meat suit situation. She knows more about the meat suit, being a, all the nurse and all the medical training and all the stuff she's got. So legit, we get, we get packed into this, um, I won't call it a meat suit, like, like an astronaut suit, right? We're a soul. We go into the astronaut suit. We travel through the life. We try to use the wisdom. And then on the other side of that, boop, we pop out of the astronaut suit and we go back into a spiritual living. Yes? Yes. Okay. I'm glad we got that all figured out. Um, but we have to be aware that what affects the spiritual man or the physical man affects also the spiritual man. Yes? Or woman. We have to be aware that what we do to our bodies is reflected in our soul. And what we allow in our lives has the potential to pollute our spirits. Is that sounding good? Yeah? Okay. So the book of Job. We just read a chapter. It's amazing. It's your guys' favorite book now. Right? I should just challenge myself and just preach out of the book of Job for the rest of the year. We would all love that, wouldn't we? 
I love, love, love the book of Job, and I love that chapter. He speaks in a language that is so poetic that I can visualize every single level that he is talking about as far as the mining and what that looks like, what it looks like above, what it looks like below, who can see it, who cannot, and then ultimately asking that question, where can we find wisdom? It starts with God. And as hard of a process as it is for mining and all of those things, what does the process of finding wisdom look like? Is it the same? Is there digging and excavating and all of the hard work and labor that goes into it? I think we're going to find that the process is very different. When he talks about the mining of precious things, in verse 4 he says, They sink a mine shaft into the earth, far from where anyone lives. They descend on ropes, swinging back and forth. And in verse 9, he says, People know how to tear apart flinty rocks and overturn the roots of the mountain. They cut tunnels in the rocks, and they uncover precious stones, and they dam up trickling streams and bring to light the hidden treasures. Finding the precious things like gold, silver, diamonds, and iron, it's hard, hard work. Does anybody know anything about that? It is cray-cray. It's, it's nuts. And all of the precious things that we tend to seek out, wisdom is the most precious. It says in verse 15, it cannot be bought with gold. It cannot be purchased with silver. It's worth more than all the gold of Ophir, greater than the precious onyx or lapis lazuli. Wisdom is more valuable than gold and crystal. It cannot be purchased with jewels mounted in fine gold. And much like coal, something that you would mine, when it's burned to warm a house or to keep a fire going, the life of that coal is over the second that it's done burning, right? The same with gold and diamonds and lapis lazuli. They exist for the period that the earth does. And the earth is not going to exist forever. Heaven is the only thing that's going to be here for eternity, right? And they have that cute line that says, diamonds are forever. I don't think so. Wisdom is forever. Diamonds crack. They chip. We've all seen that. Women get insurance on their rings because diamonds, they actually don't last forever. It's not one of those things that's going to stand the test of time. Jacob, we can talk about it after class. He works in diamonds, everybody. So I did think of you when I was putting that together. No matter how precious the thing is, a diamond isn't going to help you live your life. It's not going to tell you, whisper, in the dark, the knowledge that you need to, to live a good and full life that's life-giving to your spirit and your soul and your mind and your body. Wisdom is the only thing that's going to do that. And the human mind, as, as so much as Amy is talking about offering, like we, have, we really struggle with money. We really struggle with money and the things that are, are of this world that are the shiny stuff. We like the shiny stuff. And we have to give up the shiny stuff. We have a problem with that. We have to share the shiny stuff that's really hard for us. We have to get our minds in a place where we understand that that stuff does not have the greatest value. It's actually the things that we cannot feel, we cannot see, we cannot taste or touch. Those are the things that matter. Wisdom, hope, peace, patience, love, to name a few. Those are going to outlast any of the, the shinies that we, we love to look at or we love to, to wear, or we love to see going into our bank account every week or every other week. We have to get into a place where we know that the value is in the things that we cannot 
seen. Those are the things that truly have worth. And it's worth that transcends the physical and goes into the eternal. Yes? <laughs> so he knows how the mind works, Job does. And he, he lays out, hey, this is, this is what this process looks like. It's a long, arduous process. It takes a lot of time to get to the shiny stuff. We need to understand that wisdom is the stuff that we need to be hunting for instead. So we crack open our Bible, and you have instant wisdom right there. Like ramen noodles, only better, right? Yeah? I don't know. There's some people who live on ramen, so. Nope, just kidding. Bible's better. Um, you do life with righteous people, and you will be surrounded with wisdom all the days of your life. Yes? We understand that. That's why community is so important here, so that we can be doing this. Wisdom is rubbing off as we're going through this life together. It's a beautiful thing. It's what God intended. Finding wisdom doesn't require all of the hard work that he mentions that it takes for all of the mining. Finding wisdom does not require all of the physical labor that it takes to find the shiny stuff. Wisdom instead requires discipline, reverence, and above all, humility. Humility will probably be the greatest cost when it comes to wisdom. And as we know, the story goes, humans are not overly humble, okay? We're not very good at it. I know a couple people who are. God bless them. Nikki's one of them. Right there. Right there. Nikki. Um, and there are a lot of people in this place where we're all working through our salvation, like Nick said on Wednesday, where we are getting to that place, we're working to get to that place, where humility is our first nature instead of our selfishness being our first nature. Yes? So since the beginning of time, like I said, we wanted to do things our way with our own knowledge on our own strength, which is, again, the opposite of wisdom, which is death. And like Matt said last week, we have to get under, under the authority of someone greater to get over right? We remember that. And that requires a great deal of humility. If we have humility, getting under somebody else's authority to get over is going to be like that. We're going to see how it blesses us, and we're going to apply and transform underneath that authority. So, for instance, working in ministry is, is tough. It's hard. I mean, it's hard being a human, but you know, you work in ministry, and it's just it's a different game. And you, it's a lot of like extending your hands and offering your hands. And sometimes there's a slappy on the hand. And sometimes people take the hand. And sometimes they ignore the hand. And it can be really tough, right? We all have people in our lives that we do that for. Yes? Yes? So, yes, Sensei, thank you. Um, so when we, when I experienced that in my life and I'm just like, holy cow, I'm kind of over it. I'm done, like, extending myself. I'm even done getting abused. I'm done holding out, pushing forward, dumping on this person with my love and my, my affection. I can't do it anymore. So then that's just the end of the story, and I'm just done. And that's the kind of pastor that I am. Just kidding. Um, I take it to the Holy Spirit, right? I take it to an authority that's greater than mine. I go to the Holy Spirit. I say, this is how I'm feeling, and I don't want to do this anymore. And then... Holy Spirit does this great thing where he's like, well, that's too bad. And then he reveals some knowledge that I didn't have on my own. I need somebody who can see further than me 
right? And he can see further than me inside of me and inside of all y'all. So he can see inside of this person and he can say, actually, I'm calling you to a season to minister to this person. No talkie, just listen. That's what I'm calling you to. That's what the season is going to look like. It's not going to be your favorite, but trust me, it's going to be amazing. And 20 years from now, after I'm faithful to listening to and doing what the Holy Spirit has called me to do, and I see that person walking in more freedom and more joy and more healing than I ever thought possible, I know that the Holy Spirit's over there in the corner just winky, winky at me because he knew that his wisdom was superior to mine and always has been superior to mine. And because I couldn't see it and I was tired and I was being whiny because I submitted to his authority, that's what we get. And we, oftentimes we don't see it like this. We don't see the quick turn that we would love to see as human beings because oh, we love to see that. Am I right? Yeah, we love to see it. When, when we put into action, when we allow that transformation to take place, we would love the transformation to be like a 24-hour thing. And sometimes it's 20 years. No joke. And that is just, that is what it looks like. And that's not like, oh, Adrian, you do so good. No, that's for all of us. That applies to all of us. When we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, he can do crazy, crazy things. Amen, people? So we get to a point where we realize that wisdom is not free. It's freely available, but there is a cost. And the cost is humility. And when we get to the cost of hope, you're going to realize that the cost is your life. What? Oh, shoot. Okay, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So verse 28, it says, And this is what he says to all of humanity. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. Fear of the Lord. That's not something that people really love. I've had some people say, oh, that, I don't like that. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Uh, why would we fear an, an all-loving, good God? Why would we fear God? So let's examine what that really means. Because that is the key to this entire thing. Fear of the Lord means respect knowledge and belief of his holiness, his superiority, and all of the power and submission to his greater authority. Yes? Good? I'm going to read it again. Fear of the Lord means respect, knowledge, and the belief of his holiness, and the awe of his power and submission to his greater authority. Do you hear me? So the idea that the cost of wisdom is humility is actually the heart of fearing the Lord. Submitting to his divine authority is fear of the Lord. Okay, I think we got it. I'm ready to move on. Now, we know what wisdom is. We know where to find it. Now, how do we apply it, right? Because we can get wisdom as the day is long, but if we don't apply it, it's not worth a gal darn thing, right? We can't transform if it's not applied, we cannot see new areas of our life open up. We cannot see a movement of God if we do not apply the wisdom that he has made available to us. Now, as we've said many times at Takeover Church, we talk about stuff that isn't always fun to talk about, but we're the kind of church that's not going to shy away from it. So if you made your home here, you already know that. So I don't have to tell you to uh, gird your loins or... Uh, sit back in your seats because this is all stuff that you've heard before, right? 
but it's me saying it to you, and then you will take that, and you will say it to someone else, and this is the word of God. We believe every single word, nothing added, nothing taken away. Can I get an amen? Okay. So my prayer is that as we talk about the uncomfortable things, we realize that it's okay to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. And we don't have to be afraid of offending people for Jesus because Jesus offended a lot of people. And because they were offended, they killed Jesus. And he still died for those same people on that tree. Yes? So, a couple of areas that I feel, I felt pressed to speak on today um, that are in our, that are in our, popping off in our, our nation and in the world right now, the first one is abortion. What does wisdom say about abortion? Abortion is ending a human life by physical or chemical means. Ending a life is murder. Abortion is wrong. God hates murder. Therefore, God hates abortion. You follow me? The world seems to struggle with this greatly in the last 50 years. Early human pregnancy was deemed not human, not viable. It's just a wad of cells. I'm not really sure what they thought was in there, a fish or a dog or something that eventually turns into a human being. Um, but they had no problem scooping those cells out or pulling those apart because they definitely did not think it was human. And I just have to say, the only thing you're going to be able to grow in a human body is a human, right? Okay. So we're all following this. We see, we see the wisdom. We see the logic here, yes? Most recently, um, what we've been hearing about in the media, and if you, don't, if you avoid the media, I don't blame you, okay? But there are some things that we got to be aware of. One of the things that is kind of making its push towards becoming law is late-term abortions. We're talking about a woman who's nine months pregnant. She has her child, and they abort that baby. It, it, it's, it's murder, okay? So you can see how the wisdom of the world contradicts itself. Initially, they're like, that's not a baby. We're okay if we scoop that out. Then we have something that absolutely 100% undeniably is a baby with eyes and ears and a heartbeat and a face and looking at you. And they're saying, no, no, we're okay with that as well. We're okay with murdering that as well. The logic of the world, the wisdom of the world will contradict itself. It will shift. It will make a way because they want to be comfortable. That's what works for them. Even if it's the will of God, that doesn't work for them. They want to do their own thing. They want to do their style of wisdom, which, as we talked before, is death. These are the same people who do not have, who have a major issue with the death penalty. This is the same group of people. They see that as murder. But they do not see a full-term child, innocent or not, as murder. It's mind-blowing to me. There's a thing right now that is popping off in D.C. Um, where there was recently full-term viable human babies that were terminated. And I, I did a thing, and I saw the video of these children. And that is the kind of stuff that you cannot unsee. Yeah? I think that when we talk about abortion, it's become so normalized in our culture that we stick it in a box in the back of our mind and we don't think about it. 
And I think that is so painful. We need to realize what is going on in our nation, what is going on in our world, and that it is a horrible, horrible, dark thing. Can I get a tiny amen? Thank you. Real wisdom will not change on a whim. It will last forever. It will give life. It will not take life. Another thing we can apply wisdom to is sexuality, marriage, and gender. What does wisdom say about marriage? That it's between a man and a woman. No more, no less. Not two guys and a lady. Not two ladies and a guy. No man, man. No woman, woman. To be fruitful and to multiply and so on. And about sexuality, that you are a spiritual being before you are a sexual being. And for us to let our sexuality drive our lives is not the wisdom of God. We are to be led by the Spirit. We are not to be led by our sexuality. Yes? About sexual nature, we were created male or female by God, right down to our soul. We are natured male or female. The world wants to dictate what marriage, appropriate sexual relationships, and even biological sex looks like. It goes against science. That was one of the things that I said about wisdom before, that there's philosophical and scientific learnings that coincide with wisdom. And there are things that they are pushing right now that are not wisdom, not even in a worldly sense, which is nuts, which is crazy. The world wants to say that you can be whatever sex you want to be, regardless of your God-given nature. They won't be able to give you the definition of a woman, but they somehow will be able to educate your children, starting in kindergarten, on radical gender theory, all forms of sexuality, and not have to tell their parents about it. This is, this is actual law that's being pushed for in the United States of America. And if you, some of you parents are getting afraid, I don't blame you, but don't be afraid because God is greater. Amen? The last little bit here about the sexuality is that we live in a world that say that they are feminists, that they believe in equality for women. And I am actually, I think I'm actually a feminist. There's a lot of theologians who are like, no, no. And when I say I'm a feminist, I'm not third wave or second wave. I actually believe that women are fantastic. And I'm happy to be one. That's what I believe a feminism actually is. It's a, that, thank you, you can clap for that. A feminist is somebody who believes that a, human, that a female is a human being. Yes, that a woman is a human being. So the world will say, oh, we're feminists. Equality for women but not at the cost of a man who wants to, air quote, become a woman and decide that they want to compete in women's sports, thus dominating his competitors, having gone through puberty, puberty as a male and having greater advantage in strength and physical growth. Those are the same people. I know this is a lot. I know it's heavy, okay? We're going to move through it. We're going to get to something better. Better, better being our hope is in Jesus, yes? This is stuff that we have to talk about. It's uncomfortable, and you need to know where your church stands on it. We love women. We love men. We believe in what God says about men and women and how they're called to live in partnership. In Jesus' name. There is a covering and a peace and a stillness that comes from real wisdom. It is not loud. It is not boastful. 
It is sure and it is steadfast and it certainly does not look contrary in any way. Amen? The last little thing here that we're going to apply wisdom to this morning is cancel culture. What does wisdom say about cancel culture? It says, love and pray for your enemies. Be quick to forgive. It says to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Wisdom shouts unity. Wisdom totes come together in the name of Jesus. That's what wisdom says. The world would say, if you don't agree with me, we can't be friends. In fact, I hate you. We have to be enemies. The world would scream division. That is what their wisdom would say, division. Now, I'm a millennial. I'm not a Gen Zer or whatever else is coming down the line. I'm not. When I was in college, one of my best friends was Muslim, and I was a Christian. And many times people would say, wow, that's so crazy that you guys can, like, I don't know, get along. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like foundationally we believe in loving other people, even if we disagree. It's insane to me. Like, what are, what is, I can't imagine what the, gener, the generations are going to look like. Are we going to go back to, like, living in ghettos with just, like, just our type of people? Is that what it's going to come to? I'm scared for, <laughs> for our future. And, and on that note, worldly wisdom is, is crazy scary. And, and sometimes I feel shook by it. I don't know about you guys, sometimes I feel a little hopeless. And I wonder if the work that I'm doing is actually any good. Is it touching people or are people feeling loved? Are they feeling seen? Like, am I the hands and feet of God in the, in the land of the living? And, and sometimes I have to repent because sometimes I don't even know if I feel like God is moving. And that is me saying I have to repent because I know that he is. That is my flesh saying, look at the world. Look how messed up that is. How are we ever going to move on? How is this, how is God moving? I don't see it. But I do. So that's me saying to you, I have to repent when I feel that way, when I feel overcome with hopelessness, which is why I needed to talk about hope today, people. Wisdom and hope. Wisdom is for drawing people together, not apart. And in fact, wisdom applied to an individual blesses the whole. As I said earlier, what we allow in the physical man affects the spiritual man. What we allow or what we do to our collective body affects our collective soul. And when I think of the enemy and I think that he's a sower of discord and he wants us to hate each other and he wants us to be separated... Madness is his cup of tea, and arrogance and hatred is bread and butter. We have to believe that God has more for us. We have to find our hope, and we have to anchor ourselves in that hope. Now, at the beginning, I said that I wanted to bridge wisdom and hope. And we have to bridge that because we hope to see revival. We hope to see marriages restored. We hope to see children return to Christ. We hope to see people having babies. We hope to see 
the businesses that we poured our absolute guts into flourish and grow and be amazing, we have to hope in our transformative nature and salvation through Christ. We have to have hope for that. And there is a bridge. Are you picking up on it as you're listening? There is a bridge. Wisdom comes from Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Jesus is our hope. Amen? Wisdom comes from Jesus, and Jesus is our hope. And both are required. We can have all the, the wisdom and no hope, or we can have what we think is hope and no wisdom, and both lead to death. God drew up the confines of the earth and everything in it. He knows how everything works. He's the author of wisdom. Brokenness then enters the world, separating us from God, and Jesus becomes the bridge. Jesus is the hope and the fulfillment of hope in that we can be reunited with God through him. Now listen, because this next part is really good. <laughs> I'm really proud of this junk. If a person just has wisdom but no hope, so no Jesus, then they believe like the Jews do in perpetual state of rule-keeping and sacrifice-making without the provisional covering of God, that is Jesus, the blood shedder and the sacrifice maker. And if a person just has hope or just Jesus, but no wisdom, then they claim to love a man that they know nothing about. And people like that are benighted, ignorant, morally barren, loving something they could never even begin to understand. It's called no accountability. It's called not submitting. And the church at large is dying because of this and further poisoning the rest of the body with legalism, radical ideology, and deconstruction. And this has to stop, and the way that it stops is with us. Because we can speak from a point of clarity of the gospel. Yes? We have to make a decision to be so wise, to be so submitted to the Holy Spirit, that we actually cannot tolerate the devil and his discord. I'm not telling you to get on fights on Facebook, okay? That's, that's not what I'm saying. If that's what you're getting, that's not what I'm actually telling you to do. I'm telling you to be aware of the truth of God, and I'm telling you to not be afraid of what it says. Yes? Don't be afraid of the social pressure of, of saying and believing what God says is true. It's not easy, trust me. I'm, I'm still growing in this. I know that people, if, that if people hate what I'm saying, when I'm in alignment with the word, they don't hate me. They hate God, and they hate his wisdom. I am his image bearer. I didn't create God. He created me in his image. I'm a reflection of him. So if there's people throwing hate on me, I know that it is not on me. It might feel like it's on me, I didn't, I didn't make this. I didn't make the decisions. I don't have the wisdom to draw all the pieces together in the universe and, and tell people how best to live their lives. I know people who do that sometimes. They're usually a mom. You know what I mean? My mom's not in the house today, so I can say that. Um, usually people are trying to mom you, and if they're momming you, you know, it's like, it's mom wisdom. Not the wisdom of the Lord, per se. But... 
like I said, I know that this is tough. I know it takes a lot of wrestling. Be willing to do the wrestling. Be willing to say what you have to say and leave a person with the Holy Spirit and to do the wrestling for themselves. And we don't just come and drop bombs and then run away. We support and we love. That's what we do here. Prophets are the only ones who run up and drop a bomb and then run away and then the pastors have to deal with it. So I've been told. Um, it's a dark, dark world and these are dark times. And what I'm trying to say to you is that we got to sing our song. We got to sing a song of Jesus about redemptive love and a song of the Holy Spirit's wisdom and truth. That is what the world needs to hear. And when I read in um, Job 28, I immediately think of coal mining, which if you thought you were getting out of here today without some type of history lesson or something like that, here, here it is. It's history lesson time with Adrienne. Um, it is a wild, wild process. And it's been around for a long time, but coal in particular was one that really picked up after the Industrial Revolution, as you all should know from your previous history classes in high school. So um, coal was one of the fossil fuels that was at the top of the list for use. It was a very lucrative and very dangerous business. Um, and pretty much how they would do that is they would drop a deep shaft into the earth, brace it up with wood beams, and as they discovered veins of coal, men would carve and chip out this coal. That would take forever. So they had these little pickaxes and they would do their thing. And as they moved further and they found larger veins of coal, they'd actually use dynamite and they would blow the coal out, and they would heap it onto a cart, and then they would pull that up to the surface. And it was not OSHA regulated at all. Some of you don't know what that is, but some of you do. So uh, Shaney's like, we don't have that in Australia. It's cool. It's cool. Um, all you need to know is that the conditions were crummy. And there are many places where men could not walk upright because the ceiling was so low. And they'd have to walk hunched. And when they couldn't even hunch, they would have to crawl. They have to crawl through these mine shafts to get to where they needed to be. And the dangers, as you can imagine, were insane. One of the major dangers was collapse. Because a couple wood beams is not going to hold up, I don't know, the earth. Um, so lots of times it would give way and people would just get crushed. And it was, it was awful. Um, let alone there were dangerous gases like carbon monoxide and methane. And they actually navigated the tunnels with open flame. So open flame, methane, very combustible, bad news. So for the gases that they couldn't smell like carbon monoxide, they would actually, to ensure their safety, they would take a small canary in a, a little cage, and they would take that down to the mine. And because their lungs are smaller, and because they're very susceptible to gases like that, they would be very sensitive. And they would be down there all day long with the miners. And this is crazy what I, what I came to find out. I've always heard about canary in a coal mine. We've all heard that. We've all heard that terminology. And, um, but I actually found out that they were a comfort. They were a comfort to the miners. They would whistle back and forth the entire time. The, the canaries would be whistling, and they'd sing. They'd sing all day long. And um, the miners would whistle back to them. And it, it was a really beautiful thing. And then if there was no whistling, if there was no song being sung, they would know 
that there was something wrong. And sure enough, if the bird, it would pass out and they'd have to evacuate the entire mine because there was a gas that, was, that could kill them. So they'd have to get out there and they'd actually resuscitate these birds. I don't know what that would look like, mouth to beak. I'm not, I'm not really sure. <laughs> but they would like <laughs> resuscitate the birds, praise the Lord. And um, they, these birds saved lives, these canaries in the coal mine. And I think very easily, because I, I'm a visual person, you know, I, I love that Jesus used parables all of the time because I love storytelling and I, I really can see things and understand things. And I think that there's just so much symbolism in the Bible as a whole. When I think of that mine and I think of what we see in the world today, I think that with our physical eyes, we can open our eyes and we can see the, the designs of God and that it's a beautiful thing. But if we close our physical eyes and we open our spiritual eyes, we are lost in the dark, people. It is a dark, dark world, and we are stumbling around in the most dangerous environment that we could ever imagine with no hope, with no help of our own strength to do anything about it. And when I think of that, and I think of the canary, I don't have to tell you that God provides the light by, that we live by, but the Holy Spirit and its wisdom is like that singer in the dark that is warning us that something is not right. Yes? We have to be living the life as a Christian. If we, and if we have to be living a life as a Christian and we have not heard that song sing in a minute, I think we need to do some serious checking. Yeah? We should always be singing or we should always be hearing that song of the Holy Spirit. I hope that, obviously, my little history lesson, I always hope that it, it helps you visualize and stabilize what it is that we're talking about, right? Can we take a vote? Who likes those little? Yes? Okay, even if nobody raised their hand, I'd still do it because <laughs> it's, it's me, baby. Uh, the band can come on up here. And I'm going to close. If you want to swing on over to Proverbs, which is one of the wisdom books in the Bible, in Proverbs 3, it says, Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Amen. God wants to see healing in our bodies. God wants to see healing in the body the body of Christ. God wants to see healing. And he wants to see the bridge of Christ. He wants to see the bride of Christ whole, healed, and singing the same song. Yes? It's a song of hope. It's a song of Jesus Christ in his heart for the human story. We need to pray for a great turning we need to pray for revival within and without the body of Christ. We need to be praying. We need to be reading the Bible. We need to be doing life with people who are also wise. And we will live, we will live that life and life to the full that Jesus has declared over all of the people who love him. Yes? I can see revival in the church, a 
of hope and of truth and of turning from evil ideologies that some church leaders have allowed into their congregations like a wolf into the fold that they should have strangled its neck and gotten rid of it and they didn't and it's sitting there in these churches and we need to pray for our brothers and sisters that they would resist and turn that we would see a true movement of God we need it we want it so desperately we need to be praying and believing and hopeful that we will see it come in our time if you've got questions he's got the answers and if you need to know what our church believes there you have it we believe all of this from cover to cover and we believe in the application that it has for every single life in here for every saint who calls Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior these are difficult topics we talked about but we are always called to talk about them in love that's what Jesus has for us because it's going to be love that draws people back to him it's not going to be our anger or our mad tweets or our Facebook unfriends or blocks or whatever it's not going to be those things it's going to be love that draws people back onto Christ in closing I want to do two things I want to invite you to starting Monday go on a 31 day journey with us through Proverbs we're going to do one chapter a day going to be posting it up every single day on the Facebook okay you can follow along you can soak up that wisdom if you want it we're doing it so join us okay and lastly I just want to open up the altar for anybody who needs wisdom if it's a specific part of your life if you just want a heaven dump on you of wisdom we're gonna pray for you there's gonna be a couple of us in the back a couple of us in the front so just come forward and get what you need and don't leave this place without it does that sound good yeah all right i'm gonna pray over you we're gonna go back and do a song of worship jesus thank you for your presence lord thank you for your truth god that is a loving truth though at times a hard truth jesus we thank you for the incredible design that you have of our world and we pray god that you would move powerfully to align it more with heaven than it ever has been before. That you would utilize your saints, that you would give us the wisdom that we need, God, to be your hands and feet, that we might see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And all of God's people said, amen.